Barely Research Facts is a fact-based podcast brought to you by Art Nadas, an experiential arts agency based out of Mumbai. Each episode, we pick a word at random, dive into it, and see what it brings to us. We are your hosts. My name is Ragini, and this is Shar. Let's go. Hi, and welcome back to yet another episode of Barely Research Facts. We're back, guys. We're back. Yay! We're back. Yay! <laughs> okay, today's word is echo. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. Yeah, yeah, I did too. Just sliding that in there before you start. <laughs> Just <laughs> in case it. I was about to say something to the contrary. No, I loved it too. It <laughs> yeah. was great fun. So, you know, while I was researching it, I'm just going to jump right in with this. But apparently, Echo is also a play in Bridge. Did you know that? Like the card game Bridge? No. I Echo have, is the name of play. I have no knowledge of Bridge. Same, same. Because they, it even tells you what the play is and it just totally went over my head. So, I'm not even going to attempt it. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, apparently echo is, um, so beyond just the echo of the sound echo that we're familiar with, it's also mm-hmm. if you play bridge, then you're familiar with another kind of echo. Yeah, really putting all mm. kinds of information just out there into the world. <laughs> Connecting all the dots for everyone. Do you play bridge? No, I don't. Well, too bad. Here's a, something called a echo. It's a play in bridge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so coming to the myth of echo and about why an echo is called an echo. It's quite lovely. Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah, it's, it's based in Greek mythology. And the story mm-hmm. goes that Zeus was known for sort of caverting with the females quite a bit. And he, um, Echo was a mountain nymph. And Zeus used to hang out with Echo and her friends and other nymphs. And every time, oh. yeah, just like, you know, everything gods do. Um, <laughs> and then Hera, who was Zeus's wife, and was also known to be really vengeful. And I wonder why. I, yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> I mean, it's not like he was doing anything. Mm. But then she came to catch Zeus and what he was doing. And every time she would go and start looking for him, Echo would come and sort of sideline her by just talking to her about everything under the sun and sort of just, you know, casually distract her and send her away. And when Hera found wow. out. Yeah, clever. I mean, quite. Uh, ballsy. Quite the gift of the gab. <laughs> Um, but uh, one day Hera found out and she was so pissed off at Echo that you know and I don't I mean, I'll come back to my opinions on the story in a bit uh, okay. <laughs> but uh, one day Hera found out and she cursed Echo so the curse was basically that if you like to talk so much uh, I'm going to let you you can talk you can talk as much as you want but you can't say anything new you can only repeat what, the last words of what anyone else says Ooh, tricky. Mm. I'd make it into a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the shadow game. <laughs> the really yeah. annoying game oh kids God. play. Yeah, mm. she'd be the most annoying person. Oh, that is a terrible curse yeah. to do yeah. to someone. <laughs> yeah, but I, what I don't understand is why didn't Hera just curse Zeus? Like he was the one who was pissing her off. Nobody, But I guess, I, I mean, you know, the woman who's it's in... It's classic, isn't husband. it? Not punishing the man. <laughs> not punishing the perpetrator <laughs> of the crime. But punishing the other person. The messenger <laughs> of the crime. Yeah. 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 Courier of the crime. Right, the co-participant, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Echo's looking worse and worse as well. <laughs> yeah, slowly, slowly we're going to get to. She deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Echo then goes on to fall in love with Narcissus. The story has mm. like so much resonance with millennial culture. Uh, but she goes on to fall in love with a narcissistic <laughs> young man called Narcissus, who was, um, who 
whom she couldn't talk to because of the curse and so he was completely uninterested in her also side note narcissus then fell in love with his own reflection and died because he couldn't pull himself away from the water to eat and drink and yeah. like yeah he literally wasted away with vanity oh so what we learn is that um <laughs> take a break from looking at yourself every now and then <laughs> and little echo has a type <laughs> <laughs> and then echo basically find a way because her love was rejected and she faded and so which is why when you have an echo it repeats the last words of what you say and then it fades away and that's the myth of echo oh yeah quite sweet actually in some way i guess if you hadn't just dissected it as much as we did but <laughs> uh speaking of mythology related to you know natural phenomenon when i was going through facts related to echoes i discovered something called fingal's cave mm. it's in scotland okay it's on an uninhabited island called staffa and uh, it's a sea cave basically and so if you'd imagine how scary or beautiful it could look it's both those things but what's more interesting about this particular cave is that it was carved from lava flow and okay. the acoustics of the cave is what i'm building up to basically <laughs> it's contributed to by the basalt columns that make up the structure inside and on the outside if you look at it it looks almost like something out of star trek or like a forgotten world from star trek because the columns are so they look so purposefully placed they look man made they they could be like something like an in, art installation that someone made in like i don't know like wow. a modern museum somewhere <laughs> uh but it's not they're ba- completely naturally formed and they're made of basalt and they contribute to the name that the cave is given which is cave of melody so Aww. yeah because it's got an otherworldly eerie way of reflecting the sound back to you when you make any noises inside it and you have to visit it by boat so you row inside if you imagine this sea cave you have this beautiful view of like just endless ocean when you're inside it and wow. if you make a noise it the arched roof causes like this cacophony of like noise and echo back at you as well as the ocean the waves moving in and out that also adds to it oh, oh i mean it's i've seen yeah. a couple of videos obviously experiencing it in person is would be next level So it's also called like it's also likened to cathedrals because of the way that cathedrals are built to contribute to acoustics you know like of performances or prayers or whatever causes that reverence. Mm. So speaking of reverence and a story associated with this is to do with Felix Mendelssohn he was a German composer and he was like a pianist and organist and many other is yes. <laughs> <laughs> and a conductor. so an er uh, as well <laughs> so he was in the early 1800s around 1830 i think he was on a tour of scotland and he went to this cave to fingal's cave and the acoustics of it the experience that he had over there prompted him to immediately jot down like the first like lines of an overture which later became this fully formed piece that is now famous it's called fingal's like it's called fingal's cave okay so he wrote down on a postcard the notes and sent it to his sister and they have that preserved and they have the piece itself so fingal's cave contributed to this like beautiful classical piece oh and can you listen to it online you can and we will include the link to it yes we will <laughs> in fact here's a 10 second clip 
Wow, that was amazing. Oh, wow. I kind of really want to listen to the whole thing now. <laughs> so, continuing in the realm of myths around echoes, apparently there is a much quoted scientific myth that says a duck's quack does not echo. But I think I've heard that. Yeah, but because we we always unravel the truth in this <laughs> podcast, that does echo. Oh, okay. Imagine. Okay, yeah, my okay. life is completely changed. <laughs> okay, that's so. <laughs> Apparently a duck's quack does echo but it's usually too quiet to hear a duck's quack echo and so you just don't hear the echo that's one logic behind it the other reasoning is that ducks don't usually quack near reflecting surfaces now i haven't really understood how that works because i'm just thinking that unless ducks like make an effort to only quack in the middle of a lake but if they're at the edge <laughs> of a lake and you know they'll just be like no no shit I'm trying to envision a duck in a cave and honestly I can't so I'm going to say I believe it. Okay, but what if a duck is in a lake with a mountain right next to the lake and the duck is going quack quack? It's just going what to What if he's in Fingal's cave? Yeah. I think someone needs to get on this. Put a duck in Fingal's cave, <laughs> make it quack. <laughs> so someone is on this by the way. So there is a researcher called Professor Trevor Cox who's at the Acoustic Research Center at Salford's University and the reason why he stood out like honestly there were, you know when i was researching for this podcast i would just see a bunch of stuff and suddenly it just occurred to me that a lot of my studies had professor trevor cox attributed to them oh and so i actually went and researched professor trevor cox and he's kind of cool but we'll come back to him slightly later with another fact mm-hmm. that he has uncovered i will not know the fact okay. that he's uncovered but something cool that he did which is a fact that i will <laughs> uncover at this podcast <laughs> i mean that's a hook if i've ever heard <laughs> one yeah <laughs> Pretty good at selling it. <laughs> okay, so when I say the the word echolocate, Ragini, what do you think of? Wh- think what of kind of creature does it? Dolphins. And a dolphin's echo. Okay, good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And a bat's echolocate um, as well. Yes. Good job. You're rattling through the list I have. <laughs> <laughs> so you might want to stop right now, so I have something to say. <laughs> I'm joking. Um so bats, whales, dolphins, a couple of birds, uh um, you know, nocturnal birds and um some shrews as well. Some shrews. Um, <laughs> shrews, yeah. Oh, some shrews, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some shrews. Um <laughs> and we can add to this list uh, a human man called Daniel Kish who echolocates who yeah he sort of uses the principles of echolocating to see basically so he's blind this gentleman oh, okay. and he's developed his own method of generating vocal clicks and i think i mean you, this people probably have seen this before where you see a blind person using their stick to tap the ground so that's also sort of a form of echolocation it's not only to do with like oh there's a step here but also oh the, reflection of the noise from the clicking coming back tells you what's in front of you so basically he's pioneered this sort of method of sight he teaches it to small groups and does you know publicity to like make it known about this method so since he was very young he has been the foremost proponent of this vocal clicking method he says when people echolocate it's not like now they can see again but echolocation does provide information about the space that's around people that would otherwise sort of go unnoticed and obviously to people without vision it's integral that they have as much information as they can to process what mm. to do next it allows them to orient themselves 
And I liked what he called it. He called it an acoustic flashlight. Oh. <laughs> um, so I wanted to read to you a tiny bit. So this is all Daniel Kish. This is quoted from him. He's walking through his neighborhood and this is what he has to say based on his echolocation. Okay. I'm walking through my neighborhood on the phone with you. Right now, I'm passing by a neighbor's house and she's got a lot of trees surrounding her house. It's very treed and hedged and heavily bushed. It's very fuzzy. It's kind of soft. It's kind of wispy. Foliage has a particular effect, a particular signature. It puts out a very specific image. I can tell you that someone has done a lot of work on her yard because her tree line and hedge line are thinned out. Now I'm aware of the fencing behind the tree line, which I always knew was there, but now it's much more clear because the tree line is more transparent acoustically. But, you know, I have also one year to a phone. Some of it's really clear and crisp. Some of it's probability and some of it's context. Some of it, you don't really care what it is. It's just there. It's to be avoided. Some of it, I know I'll recognize if I come back past it again. And then some of it, I can actually sit and draw for you. End quote. Wow. It gave me tingles, this description. (laughs) Wow, he's more observant than I am. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the case with anybody who has a sense, uh, so yeah, yeah, a loss or partial. Wow, um, yeah. Control I mean, I, I don't think I'd ever notice anyone's like both eyes intact. <laughs> I wouldn't notice someone's lawn has recently been manicured. <laughs> like, oh, okay, bye. yeah. Also, I wouldn't probably remember. Like, we had a neighbor put up a fence recently and I was like, was that always there? And Dina's like, no, no, it wasn't. It's huge. How did you not notice? <laughs> so, yeah, it's a combination of the reflection of the sound as well as context and memory that he uses. Amazing. Uh, very, very wow. Quite humbling as well, actually. Yeah. I feel like we should be a little ashamed at this point. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. A lot of this research just led me to a lot of the world's most dash echoes. So most famous echoes, oddest echoes, longest echoes. They're quite cool, actually. Like a lot of the stuff around just how people have, the kinds of echoes that people have discovered is quite interesting. Mm. What I also realized is that a lot of echoes actually are also just tied in with these just, they're just incredibly strange sound anomalies. So not all echoes always just reflect off a surface and then come back and you can hear it and then you can hear it fade out. There's one in particular that really stood out to me. It is at the El Castillo Temple in Mexico. It's a temple from the Mayan civilization. So it's built sometime between the 9th and the 12th centuries. It's a step pyramid. And while archaeologists are continuously continuing to learn about the history of Mayan people and their daily lives, one thing that still has remained a mystery is about a particular sound anomaly that occurs around this temple. If there is a person standing in the field facing the exterior steps of the temple and if they mm-hmm. clap their hands, the sound reverberates but it comes back to them as um, not as a clap but as a sound that is probably similar to a bird chirping. What? Yeah, so that's quite cool. And there are a couple more of these. I'll come back to them slightly later. But this was quite cool. This is actually probably one of the oddest echoes in the world. Wow. We'll make you listen to it right here. Okay, so that is the oddest echo. There is also the world's longest echo. And this is where Trevor Cox makes an appearance again. 
Mm-hmm. The world's longest echo was again in Scotland, I think. So it's in a man-made structure. It is in an old oil storage tank that was buried in the hard rock of a hillside in the Scottish Highlands. The duration of the echo is an amazing 112 seconds, so it's almost a 2-minute long echo. Wow. Um and to be noted, the previous record for the longest echo was 15 seconds. Wow, it really smashed that record. Didn't yeah, it? it's like <laughs> it's like pulling out a dog. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the echo test was conducted by Alan Kilpatrick who was an expert in the history of that particular oil storage tank facility and Trevor Cox once again wow he gets around in the world of acoustics doesn't he he really does actually yeah <laughs> yeah he did and you know so one of the things he's actually really interested in sound mm-hmm. and he has an interest in music so one of the things that he didn't mention is that the particular kind of echo that you get by being inside that oil storage facility could create solo harmonies so if someone were to stand there and like just his experience of it just the way you would talk into that facility and you know you had the echo coming back to you for that longer period a solo musician could create harmonies wow yeah a minute long song or like oh actually forever yeah <laughs> i'm saying so- it repeats back to you <laughs> cool Apart from setting the Guinness World Record for the longest echo, Trevor Cox at one point of time also held the Guinness World Record for owning the world's largest whoopee cushion. <laughs> so, completely related. You of know course. what? I want to meet this man. He sounds like a serious <laughs> but whimsical man. <laughs> yes, because he does a duck squack echo. Was part of a worldwide news coverage that he covered as a story. along with what is the worst sound in the world and what is the world's scariest scream spoiler alert the worst sound in the world is the sound of vomit apparently oh yeah i can imagine that but close second is a close second actually close third is uh, the sound of a baby crying yeah which i think i can get on board with you know what we'll spare you guys we won't play either of those sounds right now <laughs> <laughs> So in my quest to look for acoustically interesting places I found one that I've been to in India and I think you probably have been to as well mm. it's the Golconda Fort yes i have i think most people really have by now haven't they especially if they've like come in here yeah <laughs> not yeah. to make assumptions <laughs> so uh, the Golconda Fort for people who don't know it's in Hyderabad in India Um I've been there my sister lives there in fact still in the Golconda fort <laughs> yep <laughs> yep inside it yeah that's a convenient it's a, it's a good investment i think on her part <laughs> so, my sister and brother-in-law live in hyderabad um the golconda fort was built between 1518 and 1580 and it's an it's classed as an acoustic marvel it just showcases the architectural genius that people had at the time If you're standing inside the grand portico, the hall right under the mm-hmm. dome of the fort, you can see and hear people clapping if you're visiting there and it's because of this reason. What it does is it demonstrates the building's technologically advanced acoustics. So you can also travel up to the Bala Hisar pavilion and you can hear the sound of a clap coming from the grand portico which is almost a mile away. <laughs> Wow. It carries that far. And you know you can hear it's not just the sound of like a sharp sound like clapping which is very defined. You can also hear whispering, the swishing of clothes, um all the way a mile away. Yeah. You can hear echoes of it. Wow. And uh this was made possible due to a series of arches that were built in diminishing size 
on one side of the grand portico so this design and construction of the arches it helps to compress the sound waves um, that are created under the dome and then it bounces the sound waves back amplified enough to reach a distance of you know or up to a mile if the layout of the arches helps to create an echo the materials used in their construction it ensured their long distance travel so obviously the kind of material that sound is bouncing off matters so something like say fabric would dullen reflections of sound but mm. what they used were like reflective material like shards of clay pots and pans and things like that uh, so they knew so it was so this was deliberate they wanted oh, yeah. it to yeah oh wow it's meant to amplify the sounds that are within the grand portico and one of the reasons you know you'd want to ask obviously you knew that the moguls created these phenomenal structures um because they just did you know <laughs> but there was also a reason it's said that in the 16th century golconda because it was like you know the center of diamond trade the kohinoor was housed there for a while as well as the nasak diamond so in order to ensure the security of these precious like items i'm sure there were many more that have been lost to history and time the fort was built on a granite hill that is 400 feet high and the acoustic engineering obviously is added to this measure of security because if you could hear someone who like you knew someone wasn't supposed to be in the round domed area you'd be like hey is jeff in there why is jeff looking at the corridor <laughs> without permission hello jeff <laughs> jeff's back <laughs> so yeah and i i mean obviously i think i would have probably heard all of this in the guided tour but just retracing my steps was really interesting yeah oh, that was fascinating and now going into odd <laughs> things related to echoes ragni do you want to uh i do this so there is lake george in new york at lake george there is a hand drawn map of the lake itself and there is a cross there's an x that gets made and apparently if you stand on that x and you face the lake and you start shouting you will hear your own voice echo back to you as if it's really far away so you'll really hear like a like a slight tinny of course everybody else will hear you scream and shout like a maniac but you will just be fine i'm sure there is that guy who's like not at all ashamed to do it and i will happily watch <laughs> I think most people there i think it's encouraged at uh, at lake george <laughs> then there is another uh, the absolute reverse of that is in tulsa oklahoma and they kind of take themselves quite seriously because uh, they also call themselves the center of the universe Aww. at this this particular point here yeah, you know so that's cool i wish i had the confidence to do that <laughs> <laughs> this is where i live this is the center of the universe yeah <laughs> but uh, there is a spot in downtown tulsa that is marked by a small concrete circle in the middle of a larger circle of bricks this is the center of the universe and if you stand at the center of the universe and you make a noise like even a soft noise your own voice is echoed back to you much louder than it was made and again nobody outside of this can hear you but cool. <laughs> like i can hear the echo and so legend has it and i don't believe this but legend has it that a foghorn could be going off in the center of the circle and those outside would not hear it wow yeah i feel like it's a bit of an exaggeration and i feel like they might have a tendency to exaggerate <laughs> a little bit but <laughs> it's a cool story Okay so coming on to what is the last fact of what we're talking about but it also leads into something very cool um so you know we we know that sound echoes right because that's what we've talked about all of this episode so now we obviously know that sound echoes um, wait what does sound do again 
<laughs> Aren't we funny? Okay. <laughs> so, but there is also a phenomena uh, called light echoes. Now, light echoes is basically... Okay, I'm going to try very hard to explain this. This is not my forte or at all, but I'm I'm powering through. So, when we look outward into space, what we're effectively doing is we're looking backwards in time, right? Any light that we see in space has taken a while to reach us because light yeah. takes time to travel to a point where it's visible to us on Earth. We know that. And sometimes light can be absorbed, reflected and re-emitted by gas and dust and that gives us a second look at the same light. Mm. And these are called light echoes, all right? And so while a sound echo, for example, can be used to... So radars use sound echoes and they mm. help people navigate. Similarly, light echoes allow astronomers a way to understand the universe around us. Mm. Now, why this is very important is to the next fact is because back in the 1960s, two astronomers discovered what they believe is the pale echo of the universe, which basically means that they discovered a remnant of the Big Bang. Cool. It blows my mind a bit. It really does. And it's just always been really fascinating to me to see how people piece stuff like this together. Yeah. And even though I understand very little of it, but my <laughs> in-depth research has pulled through once again. I do think my brain just like contracts a bit. Comprehends. Yeah, it just hurts a bit when I have to consider the scale of the universe. Uh, yeah, sorry, continue. <laughs> well, the universe at one point was an extremely hot magma and it was so condensed that it formed a milky fog through which any light particles were unable to propagate. Okay. But after about 300,000 years or something, it expanded and it cooled sufficiently for those light particles to begin to start moving around. And there was a gigantic flash of light that spread through the space and it began a long journey. And this flash of light is what they now call the pale echo of the universe that was discovered in 1964 by two scientists in New Jersey, Arno Penzias and Robert Wilson. So they intercepted this light so much by chance that what they thought they had discovered was pigeon droppings in their equipment. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then so they went and they cleaned up their radio telescope and they realized that no, what they had picked up was waves from this primordial light and it had deformed and cooled over a very long journey through space. And it had reached Earth in the form of this very weak radio signal. And the beginnings of this discovery was via them. However, it took 40 years after that for them to actually confirm this observation. And on 30 June 2001, there was a WMAP probe that was launched into an orbit 1.5 million kilometers away from the Earth in order to analyze this relic radiation and confirm the observation. Wow. And so basically what they saw was a baby picture of the universe is how they describe it. Actually, I think that's quite cute. Oh, it's so cute. I haven't even seen it and I'm saying it's so cute. <laughs> it's amazing. All right. And that's the last fact for the day today. Wow. I think I've been taken on a journey from mythology to astronomy. I think I need a bit of a break and a cup of tea. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, very British. You probably need one as well. So we'll see you next time in our next episode. Bye. See you. That's it for today. Thank you for listening in. Our episode this week was edited by Payal Rathor. Music for the episode is by Charita Arora. If you like the episode, if you have any feedback about the episode, or if you'd like to suggest a word that we could explore, write into us. We would love to hear from you. We're on Instagram at Barely Research Facts. You could 
also reach out to us on our website at www.artnowdas.in. We'll see you next time.